0: Good morning, fortune tellers, and welcome to the Fortune Teller podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we're here to talk all things crypto and narrow in on how crypto goes mainstream. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Rafael Baraldo, the co-founder and CEO of Pods Finance. Pods is a DeFi native platform that's focused on allowing users to hedge crypto assets. They're currently live on Ethereum and they're live on Polygon. Without further ado, Rafaela, or also who also goes by the nickname Bobby, uh, welcome to the platform. We'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. What's the backstory of you and what you were working on before you even got into the crypto space?
1: Hey, Ryan, I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Rafaela, my nickname is Bobby. Uh, I started my career in traditional finance in Brazil, I um, worked for you know, sales desk at Barclays. Um, I worked for a multifamily office looking at, you know, high network individuals' portfolios. Also, I worked for a trading desk in the largest bank in Latin America, Itau BBA, for the Credit and Structure Products Trading Desk. You know, honestly, it was the dream of my life to work for a trading desk. I wanted to be there on the proprietary desk and put my views off the world into CDSs and, you know, just build my, my, my portfolio and my trading strategies. Um, and when I got there, I, I felt pretty much disappointed with how the entire financial system worked because, you know, the other places I've been before I thought, well, maybe they're using this spreadsheet on Excel and, you know, those systems, but probably like in, in bigger corporations, maybe they're going to be using something else, but actually no, I, I realized that all banks and all over uh, financial systems. We were using just this really old systems that were built in the 60s that no one really understands how they work. Um, And of course, tons of Excel spreadsheets. So, you know, that got me into thinking that we already have technology that can make those systems and integrations a lot better than what they are right now. Um, And I decided to leave the bank and uh, adventure and explore technology. So I did that in 2017. Um, I was super lucky that in my first day out of the bank, I, I've i heard of crypto and blockchain and I started going down that rabbit hole, which is a one-way ticket, right? You don't go back from that. So basically, that's, that's how it started. That's how I got involved with, with blockchain.
0: So you, you didn't like the system that the banks had. And naturally, being in technology, you thought, why are we using tech that's predicated and was made 50 plus years ago. Getting into crypto, so you said leaving the bank, the first thing you started researching was crypto. It's interesting to me because there are so many different technologies you could have gone into. You could have started looking at machine learning, AI, quantum computing, robotics, coming from the trading desk, the world's kind of your oyster. And you also have insight into all of these different types of companies. Why crypto?
1: Yeah, no, actually, that was um, kind of a, a coincidence. I joined an Ed network uh, tech company, actually, in, which has not really much to do with the, my entire story, but, but that's where I actually met uh, the developers of that company and they were uh, building just arbitrage bots uh, that were doing on and off trades uh, between exchanges inside Brazil and outside Brazil. So, so that was pretty cool. And, and when I arrived in that company, uh, everybody knew that I was coming from the trading desk. So naturally, those developers wanted to show me their algorithms and in, in what they did, their bots, how much money they were making with those arbitrages, which was actually really nice um, back then, of course. And, and, so, and so that's kind of how I got involved. It started as more of a, a curiosity on a trading perspective. But then I, you know, naturally started trying to understand more of what those assets meant and, and what that was. And that's how I got, you know, connected to crypto from the point of view of what it represented. And and to me that's very important because it's when I started realizing that it was a different potential financial system at that point that was different from what we had since its basis. So like the very basic thing that we had in crypto was already completely different than the traditional market infrastructure. And that's like what got my attention.
0: I remember the early days of last cycle, 2016, 2017, where it was this frenzy for traders and so much of the market was focused on it. We had ICOs, which were initial coin offerings, and it was purely a speculative promise of what could happen. And that is how so many people enter the space, Uh, similar to your story, where you start from the trading angle. Because there's opportunity, people think, oh, I could maybe use my skills to take advantage of that opportunity. But the cool thing with crypto that you don't find in other industries is the deeper you go, the more you start seeing the bigger picture of how this underlying technology is not only about money, it's about how we improve the world and improve the financial systems that be. From changing in their status quo today, which may be technology from 50 years ago, to the technology of the metaverse or the digital world of finance. As you got absolutely. deeper, what what yeah, what were those things that you thought would change the world? How did you see finance changing through crypto?
1: No, absolutely. Um, I think that you know, just when you start looking at crypto and understanding what it, what it represents. One of the things that um, were very important to me was was like a settlement layer, like a public settlement layer, and that's especially because on the bank we have to do it manually ourselves. Like you know the, the traders that are there on the desk, or, or the assistants, the trainees, everybody that is involved, or the bank ultimately um, is responsible for that. But I realized that actually that you know any trade that we did on blockchain was also settlement um, information. So, so to me that was like, oh my god! Okay, now we just we just cut like four or five hours of a day of, of work into one block. Of knowledge
0: to fifteen yeah, seconds. Yeah,
1: exactly. So to me that was like, okay, this is this is indeed much better. Uh, let's take a look at what else we could do, and and then of course this took a, a, a while until I, I understood that. Especially, I, I think I got into this more towards 2018, when I started realizing what DeFi was gonna be, even, I think back then, DeFi wasn't even a terminology, but I started realizing that um, smart contracts actually allowed us to create programmable money and, and that we could input rules into, into money, basically, uh, in, into contracts, and we could enforce those contracts on a cold perspective and without beating anyone, anyone else in, in the middle. So, so to me, that was very interesting because whenever you're gonna do a, a derivative, for instance, in, in the bank, you need several contracts, you need you know, actual paper contracts uh, between counterparties, especially if this is like a, a, a client that is from an institution and, and you know, many things like that. Um, however, in, on chain, we can have both of that, all of that information available on chain, and then people can use this smart contract that has the rules of a derivative, to basically just just do the deal between themselves without anything else in the middle. So to me, that was opening a design space for possibilities that I I I thought were really hard in the bank. So smaller companies couldn't access all the products that the bank could do. For instance, hedging, or for instance, you know, more uh, sophisticated structure products or because the client was smaller, the amount of spread that could be uh, passed along into that client was bigger. And to me, that was very um, uh, uncomfortable. However, in, in, in DeFi, we can actually make things transparent and we can give people the same opportunity to participate in a financial system that they didn't have that possibility before. So, so it's, maybe it's not going to change so much for big institutions that already have access to all the banks and all the, the products that they they already use. Uh, but for the smaller, you know, enterprises or for for companies that are just starting or for for people that are not in you know private banks, um, they're going to be able to access a whole um, amount of products that they were not able to access before. And of course, the new ones that we're creating, right? The things that we're creating that are not available in traditional finance that just don't exist because it's not possible. And that that's the thing.
0: Yeah, DeFi as an industry was able to take what was a manual papered process and move it to code that just automatically executed. The value propositions are crazy. That's capital efficiency at a scale of ten to a hundred times better. Than anything that TradFi can get to today. And that, as you're describing, has democratized access to finance. No longer do these smaller firms need to amass so much volume to compete with the larger firms. They can compete from day zero. They can start off in a competitive position. And that's something that just flips a switch on what we can accomplish in the DeFi space. When you're looking at this juxtaposition of DeFi, the open market with the old guard or the powers that, that have stood up for so long in TradFi, how do you see them interacting? Is it something that's symbiotic? Will TradFi plug into DeFi? Or is it something adversarial? Will they compete and try to oust each other?
1: You know, um, I think this is a great question. And of course, no one has like the, the correct answer for that, we're, we're gonna have to, to just wait and see how it goes. I think that what's gonna happen is large institutions that are here for many years, or maybe even fintechs that are not here for many years, but have a large, large user base that is looking for financial products. Um, those those companies, they are really close to, to a, a large user base, uh, in a user base that is looking for products that we can offer in DeFi. Um, so we think that, it is going to become natural for, for you know, banks and in, in, in fintechs, maybe starting with fintechs, to start plugging in with DeFi instead of competing with it. Because it's just naturally, ultimately what we're doing in DeFi is a better product. That's it. We're doing a better product. And those guys, the banks and, and, and the fintechs, they, they have users which they want to serve really well. Um and they're gonna see that they could offer them a different product that ultimately, you know, is better. So if they can find a way to plug in and offer what we're doing um to their clients, I think that they would. How that's gonna happen exactly, I, I don't I don't really know. Um I'm curious to see. I think that there's also uh many regulatory questions um that those players have regarding plugging in DeFi and you know, just offering Products that they maybe they weren't even able to offer to a certain type of uh, client yet, but with DeFi, kind of they would be. So I think that there are regulatory problems that they they are going to have to or questions they are they, they want to answer for before plugging in. It, I think that there's not really a turn turning back. There's no turning back from from DeFi. So
0: from the product. It's the same thing as the internet. The yeah. product was a hundred times better. I could go to Google and search something instead of having to physically walk to a library and potentially that library not having indexed that information. Anyone around the world could find that information. It's the same structure, yeah. except there are some regulatory issues you know, that, that guard or the old guard from fully adopting the technology at onset, but those will be solved over time. And while we're talking about products and talking about structured products, let's double down on pods. If you could describe pods in a couple lines or do an elevator pitch for the listeners, how would you describe your platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now what we have is an options protocol that uh, is able to let anyone in the world to you know issue uh, an option of whatever asset they want. They can decide to either trade this option between, you know, themselves on a peer-to-peer basis, or they can decide to trade this option in our AMM. We have a options-specific AMM that is capable of pricing the options uh, 24-7 for basically any cryptos that is represented in ERC-20. So basically, the idea is that if we want to um, allow, you know, DeFi and structured products in DeFi... Um, to exist in a very, you know, defi-native way, um, we would need to have options which are like b- building blocks and pieces of structured products um, to be, you know, tradable at any time. So that's why we're we're trying so so hard to create this um, AMM that allows people to trade at any time. So now we are live on mainnet, and Polygon, and Arbitrum. Um, we are. Uh, bringing puts and calls to the market for different assets and and basically observing how how users have been using this. So either by providing liquidity to the AMM or by selling options um, to the pool or buying options to the pool.
0: An option is it's a massive primitive for the space. Being able to hedge in times of volatility or risk, it's going to keep growing. In AUM, And I think this is a platform and a product that really can start leaning mainstream. It's something where as a user getting into crypto, even when you're excited about the upside, those buying into specific assets are still nervous about that downside risk. What happens if the asset just drops? So I can see more and more people funneling in to pods and to this world of options as it grows more as crypto grows in adoption. When you're starting to think of how you go mainstream more as, as a product, do you see pods as something that will be built into the backend of other portfolio managers or portfolio management systems? Or do you see pods as something where the user should always come to your platform to use it?
1: Um, yeah, no, this is a great question. Um, I am completely bought in uh, integrations with other platforms and other protocols. I think that uh, you know our app right now is is a great app. Um, Of course, I'm biased, but um, it's an app that shows like possibilities and showcases what of things that can be done within our protocol. But the most exciting thing to me is how we can use those primitives natively within other protocols. That could be for you know portfolio management or or even in lending and in borrowing protocol or you know, different any, any type of protocol that you think of that would benefit from having a, um, a derivative uh, as a piece of building block
0: there. Yeah, how do lending platforms benefit from having a derivative integrated?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that on lending platforms, we have to make a separation between how much um, collateralization is required. So if we have, for instance, A platform where you require over collateralization for borrowers uh, to borrow anything from the platform. I think there is where, um, you know, a put option within that token that is placed as collateral could benefit the borrower in the entire protocol. Because if you think of that, you basically have a hedged asset, you know, with a ETH plus a put option on ETH. Um, and then you basically can reduce the over collateral requirement to 100% instead of 150. When you do this, uh, when you do this and re- and actually reduce the over collateral requirement, you expand the amount of of total borrowing power that that borrower has. Um, this means that they're gonna borrow more and they're gonna pay more fees to the lenders. So this basically increases the amount of, um, you know, interest that is paid to the lenders. And, and somehow this, this becomes like, in my opinion, it, it's a positive loop um, on protecting the borrowers from liquidations uh, and allowing them to borrow more uh, and also incentivizing them to pay more because they can
0: in this case. It neutralizes the risk of exactly. liquidation. So this is one of the ways that DeFi can start getting closer and closer to under collateralized loans. Where maybe it's the borrower putting in the option, maybe it's another incentivized liquidity provider putting up the option into exactly. the lending protocol. So this is how structured products can be built on top of pods and how pods adds acts as this base for developers to really build stuff to their imagination and build more products that can be integrated into the back end of some of these maybe more traditional systems that people use today.
1: Absolutely. I I totally believe that. And I also believe that. Once this uh, derivatives layer is proved um, to be usable uh, on a you know DeFi fluid mechanism native way, I think that we're going to start seeing a second uh, wave of DeFi protocols that have derivatives built in as their you know as their entire system as an important building block of their system.
0: It's really interesting. We'll have hedging built in natively, so. As the industry scales, or as more volume comes in, there's more lending activity. There's more borrowing. There's also more trading activity. Built in natively, we'll have hedging and minimizing the risks that are taken in crypto. Exactly. That's major for institutions and other types of capital come into play. Absolutely. Yeah. We're on this topic of yeah of mainstream, and we always love to ask a final question on the podcast. And since we're on the Fortune Teller podcast, it's about predicting the future. So. If I could, I'd like to ask you that if you had a crystal ball in front of you right now, what could you most confidently predict will happen in DeFi by the end of next year?
1: End of next year? Oh God, um, end of next year DeFi. I think that by the end of next year, we're gonna see, well, at least I, I want to have a derivatives layer that is fully functional. And we're already seeing you know, protocols integrating uh, derivatives within their core structure. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that there will be millions of TVL in, in this new wave of protocols that are already using derivatives as their core uh, piece of their system.
0: I think we're absolutely gonna, going to see that. And to add to that, the structure of products that can be built on top will unlock new features, functionality, and so much more flow of capital into the space. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you or more information about pods?
1: Absolutely, uh, thank you for having me. You can find more information about me on my Twitter account um, and I'm there on Discord as well, Pods Discord. Um, so yeah, if, if you're interested in structure products, derivatives, options,
0: let me know. Wherever you're listening to this, make sure to follow Pods Finance on Twitter. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links Bobby mentioned in our conversation. And please follow us on Twitter. We are at Useteller or join our newsletter to find out about our upcoming episodes.